Good morning, everyone. I'd like you to open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning as we continue our study of this letter from the Apostle Peter. Now, as we come to chapter 5, Peter begins to speak to us of what it means to be an elder in the body of Christ. And in this, he draws a distinction between what we are going to call an exile elder and one who might have a spirit of the Gentiles. For throughout the book of First Peter, we've seen this contrast between exiles and Gentiles. Exiles are those who have been born again according to the will of God. They've been brought into the family of God. And because of that, they are now foreigners in this world. For their homeland is a country that is coming. Even the new heavens and the new earth. And so throughout the book of First Peter, we are called exiles, we are called sojourners, we are foreigners who are living in a foreign land, living amongst the Gentiles. We see this contrast throughout First Peter. In chapter 1 we read, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. In chapter 2 we read, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. You see, the Gentiles will act in one way, but we as exiles, we as foreigners, as sojourners in this world, are to conduct ourselves with honor. In chapter 4 we read, live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. You see, there is a contrast between exiles and Gentiles. And here in chapter 5, Peter says that the elders, the leaders of the church, must not lead as the Gentiles do, but they must be exile elders. So let us turn our attention now to 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. This is the word of of the Lord. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us pray. 
Father God, we come to You now in this time. And from Your Word, we have heard the call that we are to no longer walk in the ways of our former lives, the ways of the Gentiles, but we are to walk as sojourners, as exiles, as those who desire to seek the glory of God alone. And so we pray, O God, that You would give to us a spirit of humility, that we might submit ourselves to Your Word. And in submitting ourselves to Your Word, we might in faith receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and may walk according to Your Word all the days of our life. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. Leadership is the most important element in the success of any organization. Businesses fail or succeed largely because of their leaders. Military campaigns are often won or lost because of the quality of leaders within the ranks. And there is nothing that separates a great football team from a merely good football team, like a quarterback who knows how to lead. And in like manner, without proper leadership, the church will never attain her God-given potential. In our passage for this morning, the Apostle Peter is outlining for us how we are to recognize leaders within the church. For the leadership that is needed for God's people looks very different from the leadership that so often prevails in the world. In Matthew chapter 20, two of Jesus' disciples have requested that in the coming kingdom they might sit at His right and His left hand. You see, they know that Jesus is going to be the king of all the earth. And they figure now is their time, now is their shot at getting the number two and number three spots of power and authority over the world. It's like they're calling shotgun before the car is even in sight. And as you can imagine, the other ten disciples are not happy that these two are grabbing at power. And they start to argue with one another and say, you, you know, you, you don't have the right to do that. I'm the one. I'm the greater disciple. I'm the one who should have the power and the authority in the kingdom that is going to come. Not you. But then Jesus says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. You see, a contrast is being made between Gentile leadership and what we are calling exile leadership. The Gentiles are those who are not part of God's flock. And Jesus describes their style of leadership as great ones lording it over those whom they have been given authority over. Their style of leadership is great ones exercising authority. Gentile leadership is characterized by dominance, by great people and by the exercise of authority. But in contrast, Jesus says that the leaders in His church are not to be like that. For they are not to be great and commanding, but they are to be low and serving. 
even as Jesus was a servant who gave His life for the church. The chief shepherd for the sheep. In our passage for this morning, Peter is speaking to two audiences with one voice. Look at verse 1. You see what's going on here. He says, So I exhort the elders among you. Right? He's talking to the whole body. He is talking to you, the body of Christ. But specifically, he is talking to the elders who are among you. He wants to give instructions to the elders on how they are to lead, how they are to serve. But he also wants to make sure that the church is listening to what he is saying so that they might know who should lead in the body and who they might submit to as they begin and as they continue in their life of following Christ. You see, each of you who are members here at Rivermont came forward and took a vow that you would submit to the leadership of the elders of the session of this church. And you are not to do that without a knowledge of the character of those that you are submitting to. And so Peter says, I exhort the elders among you so that elders will have the proper approach to leadership And that church members will recognize and submit to leaders who exhibit the calling, the character, and the crown of an exile elder. Now, throughout God's Word, the image of a shepherd is used to illustrate godly leadership. Moses is called the shepherd of Israel. Joshua was called to lead God's people so that they would not be like sheep without a shepherd. And King David, the Bible says that he became the shepherd of Israel in his generation. Yet the ultimate shepherd of God's flock is the Lord himself. As Psalm 23 declares, the Lord is my shepherd. And in Isaiah chapter 40, we read, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those who are with young. You see, the shepherd was to be a provider, a guide, a protector, and a caring companion to his flock. And so too are leaders in the church called to humbly shepherd God's people. Look at verses 1 through 2. Of our text, it says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. You see, the call of an exile elder is to be a shepherd among God's sheep. It is not like that of the Gentiles who use their position for their own good, but rather to use their leadership to care for and nurture those whom they've been given authority over. Now, by the time of the New Testament, the term shepherd had developed in a rather negative direction. While in Israel's past, a shepherd was an image of a moral leader, By the Roman period, the occupation of a shepherd was regarded with contempt. Shepherds were seen as the lowest of the peasants. And a call to a leader to be a shepherd ran counter to everything a leader might hope to attain by his power. Yet in this one term, we are given the perfect image of an elder's calling. 
For he is to lead God's people. However, he is to lead in humility, seeking to emulate the Lord Jesus Christ. Seeking to be a servant, even as Christ came to serve and not to be served. For Jesus himself is the great shepherd of the sheep, as he spoke of himself. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the call. This is how you recognize an exile elder. He seeks to follow the path of Christ. For Christ came to lay down His life that He might give to His flock the gift of forgiveness and life. As the shepherd of the sheep, He saw that our need was His blood. And so He willingly poured out His blood to cleanse us from sin. Peter describes the work of Christ in chapter 2 in these words, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Shepherd and overseer. Now listen to how Peter describes the work of an elder. He says in verse 2, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. It's the same words. The same words that are used to describe the ministry of Christ are used to describe the ministry of those who are called to be elders among God's people. For the call of an exile elder is to serve as Jesus served. And the ways that you are called to, to willingly lay down your life for the sake of the body of Christ. This is how you recognize a leader among God's people. He has the call to shepherd the sheep after the example of Christ. Several years ago, while I was attending a presbytery meeting, I had the opportunity to share dinner with a fellow teaching elder and a young man who was seeking ordination in the EPC, our denomination. Now, as we shared our meal, our conversation turned to this young man's desire to become ordained. And rather crassly, he said, well, I'm already serving in the church. I might well as well get paid for it. Now, I tried to think what was best. You know, this is a young man. He's feeling a bit nervous and made a thoughtless joke. And it just didn't land well among two teaching elders. Yet later on in the conversation, he persisted with this line of thinking and with a similar comment, he said, I just can't wait to start making money as a pastor. And I thought to myself, boy, you're in the wrong field. (laughs) But it was up to my fellow elder to call him out on it. Say, young man, this is not the desire that you should have going into ministry. Yes, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9 that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But the love of money cannot be at the heart of an elder's character. Rather, he must be like Christ, who though he was rich became poor, that by his poverty we might become rich. It is this character that we need to see revealed in the lives of our elders. Look down at verses 2 through 3. We see that elders are to serve not under compulsion, but willingly. 
as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Peter lays out three commands here, each with a negative and a positive aspect to the command. The first is that elders are not to serve under compulsion, but willingly. Elders should have a desire for the office because of his great love for the flock of God and because he feels not because he feels obligated to the work. Now, of course, I know that when we get into the second and sometimes third hour of a session meeting, that there are ruling elders that are there because it's their obligation. And it's easy in ministry to get to the point that you are serving because it's your job. It's what you're supposed to do, right? Sunday morning is coming. At the end of each week, I am going to have to stand up here. It is my obligation to stand before you. And sometimes in ministry, it can begin to feel that way, that you're just doing it because you're supposed to be doing it. There are many men in ministry that just continue because they don't think they have any other marketable skill. And so they have to continue in the work of ministry. But the call to being an elder is not to be an obligation. It is a gift. It is a treasure. It is an unparalleled calling to serve the church of Jesus Christ. And an exile elder, whether he be a teaching elder or whether he be a ruling elder, is called to willingly serve the body of Christ. Second, an elder is not to serve for shameful gain, but eagerly. If you ever listen to sports talk radio, as I do from time to time, you will find that much of the conversation revolves around players' contracts and trades. This week I heard one radio personality say something along the lines of, you know, it really is all about the money, as it should be. The athletes need to make as much money as they possibly can in the limited time that they have to play. Now, no doubt, ministry and professional sports are light years apart in several regards. However, there are many pastors whose desire is to earn as much as they possibly can and to use their position to garner such rewards. Now, I do not begrudge a pastor the salary his church has determined to pay him, My family and I and the rest of the pastors at Rivermont, we are very thankful for the way that Rivermont cares for us. I know that we are cared for well. However, when the most prominent pastors in our nation are living in excess and extravagance because of their television and book deals, we need to begin to ask ourselves, should we be submitting ourselves to their teaching and their authority? You need to ask yourself, does this man have the character of an exile elder or has he fallen in love with the world? And if he has fallen in love with the world, should I submit myself to his teaching? For we are not called to submit to those who would follow the pattern of the Gentiles, but those who would submit to the pattern of Christ. Third, an exile elder is not to domineer but to be an example to the flock. Now the word domineer means to use threat to enforce your will. Those who are in authority have at their disposal power to enact their desires. 
Kings have armies to enforce their edicts. Politicians have governmental power to see their will executed. Businessmen can fire or relocate their employees who do not obey them. And elders can use their position in the church to enforce their will over others. But the way of the exile elder is not to domineer, but to lead by example. It's to display to the flock the proper way of life before he calls upon others to obey. And therefore, if service is needed, he will serve. If prayer is called for, he will be the first to pray. If giving, then he gives. If forgiveness, he will be the first to forgive. And always among the flock of God's people. For twice in these verses, we see that the shepherd is among the flock. He lives with the people. He knows them and they know his voice and trust him. For if an elder is not willing to be among the sheep, then he is not able to lead the flock as God has called him to lead. For he goes from a shepherd who cares for the sheep to a rancher who just manages cattle for the money that's involved. For the character of an exile elder is not prideful self-service, but is Christ-like humility. You see, you will know an exile elder by his calling to be like Christ. You will know an exile elder by his character of humility. And third, you will know an exile elder by his crown. That is, you will know a leader in the church by his ultimate goal or desire in life. Look at verse 4 of our text. It says, And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The elders of the church are under-shepherds of the one true chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He returns, there will be a reckoning of those who are called to lead His church. As the book of Hebrews says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. The way that you know an exile elder is that his desire, his goal in leadership is to please the chief shepherd. It is his purpose to render service to the Lord in such a way that when God's glory is revealed, when Christ returns, he will receive the blessing of that glory. That is his prize. That is what he aims at in his leadership. What is the ultimate goal and purpose that you find in your own life? Is it to receive a prize or a reward here? Or is your desire the glory of God? You see, an Olympic athlete will give all to win the gold because that is her crown. A presidential candidate will focus all attention and resources to win office because election is his crown. A general will sacrifice the lives of soldiers to defeat his enemies because victory is his crown in this life. And we each have crowns that we are pursuing after. Goals in our lives. Things that we would seek to have accomplished. Our crown might be the promotion at work. A certain degree or a certain salary. We might desire the crown of a beautiful family or a comfortable retirement. However... All of these crowns are fading. They are all coming to an end. They will not last, for all earthly crowns fade away. 
But the glory that is to be revealed when Christ comes again, when He comes in His glory, He will give to those who have sought His glory in this world a crown which will never fade. And you will know an exile elder because the glory of God is His chief end. The glory of God is the crown that he is seeking after. He's not seeking leadership in the church to gain renown or to move towards an earthly accomplishment. He doesn't desire the position so that he will be respected and honored in the community. But rather his motive for leading the flock of God is to partake in the glory that is to be revealed in Christ. His motive is that in all things, Christ, not him, but Christ, would be magnified. Peter begins this chapter by exhorting the elders by the example of his own life. For he says in verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. You see, Peter could have spoken to them as an apostle commanding obedience by these elders. But his desire was to lead by example, calling himself a fellow elder who has endured the hardships of following Christ, but who has also tasted the glory that is to be revealed at Christ's coming. For that is the pattern that was given to us by Christ. It is the order of life that was lived out by the apostles. And it is the life that every elder in the church is called to follow. For we partake of the sufferings of Christ now so that we might partake of the crown of glory when He is revealed. For too often, the headlines of the newspapers and posts of Facebook and other social media has been filled with the stories of church leaders who have abused their power. Too often, we have given the reins of leadership over to men who are qualified according to the world's standards, but have nothing of the exile about them. Too often have the great ones, the powerful ones, the competent ones, been the ones who have desired to exercise authority in the church, and we've given them those positions because we think that we could be successful if we have such great, lordly men leading our church. But the chief shepherd described himself as low and meek and humble. And this must be the character of the leaders of our church. Not great men lording it over, but humble men seeking to serve seeking to lay down their lives, seeking to live among the flock of God as an example that others might follow them as they follow Christ. For in all things, Christ is to be magnified through exile elders. That is, elders who seek to serve as Christ, the Good Shepherd who laid down His life for the sheep. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Father God, we come to you now and we pray, O oh Lord, that you would raise up exile elders among us, 
We pray for those men who have been called out, both teaching and ruling elders among us, that You would give to them the grace that they might follow Christ. And we pray, O Lord, that this body, in willing humility and submission to their leadership, might find that Your glory is the highest crown to be sought after. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.